Hello and welcome to our continuing APW podcast series. Every Monday we hope to brighten your day and help you on your journey to buying a property in the UK. Or you can settle back in your deck chair, sip your pina colada and fall asleep as we chat about stuff because you took our advice last year and have already secured your dream home in a sunny clime in the shade of the palms. Today I'm joined by Callum Williamson and we're looking at investing for income with APW's Perspicacious Pundit. Uh, Hi Callum. Hi Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How is sunny Cardiff? Yeah, it's not so bad today, actually. Uh, the the weather is getting uh, not quite sunny, but it's not quite freezing. Um, I went out, we had a couple of warmer days and I went out in shorts and a t-shirt yesterday and it was back down to minus three. So yeah, not great, but it's getting warmer. So that's nice. Excellent. Um, we, previously, we looked at the broad brushstrokes of investing in property, why you might want to do it, what the benefits are and so on. And we looked at defining your goals as being a precursor to all that. Tell us a little bit more about that. Firstly, the goals, why they're so important. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think people, you know, regular listeners probably would probably get sick and tired of sort of hearing this. And I remember when I first started in the property space you would hear people talking about goals and I I always think to myself you know why are they always banging on about goals but it is I think probably one of the most important steps because if you have a real clear goal and you know your outcome you know you can list loads of cliches you can't hit a target you're not aiming at and you know a single degree of difference sets you off course by hundreds of miles all those sorts of things but it's true you know if you don't know what you're aiming for then you can't hit it and it's fine if you don't know You don't need to know straight away. It just means that you're probably not ready to buy. You just need to go away and think about what it is you're trying to achieve. And your goal will depend on a lot of things. But one of the biggest things perhaps is your stages of life. You know, what what does your stage of life require from you? You know, are you just starting out? Is it a first property, therefore something that should be simple, easy to manage, hands off? Or are you sort of mid-career or you know, perhaps you have a home in the UK already and you're earning good money overseas and you've built up a pot of cash in the bank and you now need to start investing it and getting that cash to grow and work for you or, you know, build a legacy for the kids. And then finally, you've sort of got a a later life stage, which is that sort of planning and uh, retirement planning phase where you're probably going to be buying property for income. So you need to, yeah, you need to have a clear goal. Is it income? Is it uh, sort of a long-term thing? Is it income now? Is it income further down the line? Is it a thousand pounds? Is it five thousand pounds? Once you have a clear goal, then you can sort of work back and everything else, location, type of property, deposit needed, all of that stuff becomes so much easier to uh, to get your head around. Yes. Also, the, I mean, everyone's circumstance is different. And so part of that, um, you know, starting the journey is doing an audit, an inventory of your own personal circumstance. You know, how much money do you have? How, what what kind of deposit will you be able to raise? All of those kind of questions, because they really do obviously determine how much and where to buy, or what sort of property. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. You know, that's part of it. If you, you know, that's sort of the, the next stage is you create a goal, an ideal goal of what you're trying to achieve. And then you take your situation and the means you have available to achieve that goal. So the cash you've got in the bank, your, your monthly savable income, your all your resources. So that's wealth and time, for example, you know, how much time can you put into researching this property, is it loads? Then that's a, that's a good resource. Is it not much? Then maybe you need to work with someone. So you look at all your resources, your time, your knowledge, your sort of wealth and your income against your goal. And then you lay those over the top of each other and you sort of narrow it down pretty easily 
to sort of what type of property and where you need to buy that fits your goals and resources. And so we looked at the the overall strategies, and there are many individual ones, and they obviously then grow out of your goals, or the the two kind of go hand in hand. Uh, so there's the the like you say, there's investing for income. There's a buy and hold, which is more about a kind of capital growth. You're not that worried particularly about the income. The income might help you pay off the the debt on something, but it's not your primary goal, as you say. Uh, and then there's, it's called brr, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah. buy, uh, refurbish, refinance, repeat, I think is uh, one, one way of doing it. But it's uh, basically a buy and fix kind of strategy. So those are the three broad ones. And over the coming weeks, we'll be looking at those in more detail. But today we're going to look at the the income uh, one. What are the key features of that income? Obviously, one is, you know, dependent on that goal, how much income and when. But, uh, you know, take us through some of the income, investor income strategies. Yeah, sure. So that's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a good point you make there. The three different strategies uh, sort of generally and loosely apply to the sort of three different stages of life. You know, it's uh, if you're early and just starting out and it's a first property, then you're probably going to be going down the buy and hold route. You know, if you're sort of planning for retirement, then you need to be buying for income. And if you sort of got heap of cash in the bank and you want to get a better return and get it working, then you're probably looking at something, a combination of them all, or perhaps the BRRR, because you could potentially earn a lot more there, but it is harder work. So yeah, so, so we're actually running a poll on LinkedIn at the moment. I think probably it was last week by the time this goes out. And we've asked people on there, you know, which of these three strategies do you think is the best? And it's a pretty even spread at the moment. But um, but yeah, OK, so to talk about the buying for buying for income, I mean, you've got to look at the basics. So, you know, if you're buying for income, you need to be having a, a higher yield than you normally would, you know, compared to the, the buy and hold strategy. Buy and hold, you need a a yield of say five to six percent that's going to cover all your costs and a in- income and re- uh, interest and repayment mortgage which means you put a tenant in it in 20 25 years or sooner if you want it's paid off uh, and then you know you do that at an earlier f- uh, enough age then in 20 years you've got this income to live on the income strategy you know the, the most basic example of that is buying a property that's got a, a much higher yield and so th- this is where you come across investors that are all about the yield you know oh, eight nine ten percent just to Sorry. jump in there, um, the yield, uh, we'd, uh, we have done an earlier podcast, so you, you scroll back through your podcast places, you will find one uh, specifically about yield, but it is the ratio of income coming in to the purchase price. Uh, so people talk about yield, that, that's how much rent are you getting for the money that you've spent, effectively. Yeah, that's it. And, and, a, and a real sort of easy example for people that aren't maths maths buffs you know if you've got a hundred thousand pound property and you're getting five thousand pounds per annum income that's a five percent yield you know a ten percent yield will be ten thousand pounds a year so yeah that's a that's a good point paul for those that don't know you can you can go and listen to that and read a bit more on our website as well but so for the income you need to be getting you know as high a yield as possible so you know you're looking at six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, as much as you can get really. Um, which, you know, when we're talking about locations and, and that sort of thing, looking for a yield like that will sort of determine the areas you need to be looking because you're not going to be getting a yield of six, seven, eight percent in the southeast or the south. So, you know, you need to start looking further north. So the basic of yeah, that that income strategy is you're buying 
you're buying a high yield property, you know, you're putting down the deposit as you would on a buy and hold, but you're going with the interest only mortgage repayment option. So the, the difference between your income and your mortgage is far greater than it is on a interest and repayment. And then obviously that cash flow difference is going in your pocket. So that's creating that income for you. But usually a, a higher yield would equate though slightly to a higher risk uh, property or property area. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, certainly in some areas where you, getting a higher yield would mean in a lot of places you, you're buying a lower value property just because naturally it's easier, you know, rents and income is fairly inelastic. So, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change much, whereas property prices does. So if you've got a sort of a property valued at £100,000 in an area that's getting a you know, a, a normal asking price, a property valued at £150,000 nearby is probably getting a similar price. So you get a higher yield based on a lower property value, which sort of does generally mean that you can get a sort of lower socioeconomic type of, of tenant in there because the property value is lower and you're looking at sort of lower potentially. I don't mean to sort of um, say that if you live in a cheaper house, you're lower socioeconomic. That's not the case. But generally, you know, um, that is how it can work. So you can get a risk, you know, you can get a sort of a riskier tenant, perhaps, uh, and then you get another trade off, which is, well, you know, do you go down the, the maximum yield route, but potentially risk a couple of uh, void void months or void periods? Or do you take a lower yield and, you know, you buy a city centre in somewhere, you know, just use the, the example that everyone knows at the, the moment, Birmingham, and you know, you're going to get a slightly higher quality tenant. So there's always trade offs within each of these strategies and goals. But Again, to look at the flip side, then if you're buying lower value properties, then you're probably buying more of them. So you're diversified in the sense that you've got more properties and you're not just relying on one. So it can be higher risk going down the higher yield route, but it's all about sort of, again, doing your research right and, and buying in the right place. Yeah, one of the things obviously is that it's the moment at which you buy a property that fixes your figures for the the future uh, so part of the, the the most obvious thing to do is to you know spot the bargain spot the house that's undervalued for some reason sometimes it's because it's a probate sale sometimes it's just because the market is is behaving slightly strangely in that particular town but you might think that there is huge potential coming down the track so all of that research which we go on about is is because of those little quirks and it's when you buy uh, if you spot a bargain that's when you fix your profit because obviously for income one of the easiest or the quickest routes is is buy cheap and sell uh, more expensively i.e you know spot the bargain uh, sometimes you can buy fix and sell as well so you can spot something within a property maybe just very badly decorated and you then renovate you redecorate and that's when you sell obviously buying and selling is expensive and you have to factor in those costs but that is um one of the quickest ways to building up a kind of cash pot f that you can deploy later on down the line isn't it yeah, and I guess that you sort of opened up a a point there, you know, which is uh, what type of income, you know, and this is one thing that you need to define in your goals. You know, we've just sort of gone off talking about income and, you know, there's different types of income. There's income in, in sort of form of passive monthly income and there's monthly, in, uh, there's income in the form of sort of, as you said, if you were to flip something and sell it, that is also an income. And, and then I guess it depends on, you defining which one it is you know so if you're trying to build an income for 
retirement, you'd like to retire in five years, whether you're 35 or 65 or 75, 85, whatever it is. Well, I was speaking to a client yesterday whose um, his mum is 106 and still lives at home. So your mum could be 105 and wanting to retire in five years. Who knows? But you need to define what the income is. You know, so is it that monthly income or is it income every quarter from doing a flip? So yeah, so it's imp- it's important to to sort of define those goals. I think one one of the things about that kind of buy fix and sell as well is just about the sorting out the problems on a property, and they de- they don't necessarily have to be uh, structural or decorative. Sometimes they can be legal. That actually there is a a problem with the freehold, or that there's a problem with two flats together in in a particular property because there is a kind of legal question about it. So if you've got that legal mind, you might be the person who's able to spot that and say, well, that's fine. I can sort out the legal problems, and then I've got you know uh, uh, something that will be of more value further on down the line. So all of those are are possibles if you're just trying to build up that income pot. Yeah. And so, and I think that's it. I mean, if you have, if you have the knowledge and skills to be able to sort of spot opportunities like that, then it's a great way to make money. I mean, I think for myself, you know, being overseas in the main and and clients being overseas, it's difficult to be able to sort of get your hands on and see those opportunities. So I think you need to personally, if you're buying from overseas, I think you know, doing things a bit more simply and sort of just focusing on basic fundamentals that are good. You know, we always bang on about the pie and all that sort of stuff but it is the easiest easiest way you know don't get too sort of caught up in in chasing an amazing deal you know just buy something that's that's quality and will do what it says on the tin yes as as you say a, a lot of those uh, a lot of those ways of getting that uh, cash are a bit more hands-on you know fixing the problems on a property uh, you either have to have someone very trusted nearby who's able to handle it all for you uh, or you're going to have to be able to take that time yourself maybe if you've got you know a sabbatical coming up and you think oh look, three months i'll spend decorating a flat and and that will uh, help me raise the cash but it is as you say hands-on and and uh harder to achieve what about some of the risks uh, in these strategies sure and and so just quickly on that last point and that's all about again where we talked about resources you know if you've got heaps of time and you're willing to learn or you've got the knowledge already then that's probably a good strategy for you but if you don't and you've got the money you don't have the time or the knowledge then it's probably it's probably not um what are some of the risks i mean it's sort of the inherent risks in any property i guess is you know if you're you don't do the research correctly and you don't buy in the right location or you don't buy with the right fundamentals then there's the risk that the property might not perform as well as you would thought it would perform which you know again shouldn't be a massive shock because when you're doing your sort of facts and figures and calculations you should be doing a sort of can i sustain a worst case scenario what's a mid scenario or a likely scenario and what's the best case scenario so there's the fact that it doesn't perform as well as you'd expect there's sort of uh, if you're buying for income then obviously one of the biggest things would be avoid period because you're not getting that income and it's sort of defeating the whole point of the of the strategy if you're buying for monthly income that is we've always found that a very good um, phrase to have in your mind is what's the downside and can I handle it? The uh, And you were talking about that best case, worst case and mid-range scenario. Uh, that's very much like the treasury models have those uh, rivers of possibility, I think they cone, or the uh, somewhere else I've seen it described as the forecast cone. Uh, 
Uh, so it is a it's a broad range of of what could happen and uh, can you handle it yeah and that's exactly it i was reading a book the other day called psychology of money and there's sort of 20 points in there he talks about and one of them is you know a lot of people don't build wealth or get wealthy because they sort of go all in on something or don't you know he says you should, worst case scenario planning should be your best friend you know you should always be looking at that and can you survive it as you say and most people don't and the key to sort of building longer term wealth is just being in the game for a long time not getting wiped out by things like this so just surviving for long enough to stay in the game to continue accruing and building is one of the key things so um, you know that's it look at when you're doing your figures look well okay if interest rates went up if I'm getting on a tracker or whatever it is, then how far can I sustain this? Have I got cash in the bank that would cover it? Would I be willing to cover it? Uh, these are all things you need to sort of write down when you're making your plan, you know, which goes back to planning, doing your proper planning and research and creating a, a nice goal uh, and creating a strategy for yourself. Excellent. Well, thank you. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, join us again next Monday for your weekly APW podcast fix. Until then, uh, it's goodbye from Callum. Goodbye, Paul. Thank you. And it's goodbye from me. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.